This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Swing and a drive. Right field and deep. Back goes Aquino. It's got a chance. Gone. Get out the tape measure. Long gone. Fly the W. Cubs fans, it's time to fly the W with Dustin Rhodes and Paul Crawley Jean. You're listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. This is season one, episode number 37. We're calling this one The Spoilers. I'm Dustin Rhodes, executive producer of the Mully and Haw Show on 670 The Score. Of course, your radio home for every Cubs game on the radio. And as always, I'm joined by my buddy Crowley. Crowley, how the heck are you on this fine Thursday late afternoon? I say I'm doing better than the Phillies' playoff chances. Uh, you. Oh, you you can find me at Crawley's Cubs. You can follow us on Fly the W670 on Instagram and Twitter, on Fly the W on Facebook, and you can email us at flythew at gmail.com. Now, when we were with you guys last, I think I was the one who said the Cubs would only win one game, and I thought that would be the Wednesday evening game because I am all on, on West Nasty. And uh, not only did they win that game, they won a couple other games, and we are going to walk you through those right now, starting with game number one, which was started by Marcus Stroman for the Cubs, Zach Wheeler for the Phillies. Great pitching matchup like we anticipated, and Stroh's show was in full effect. But first off, in the bottom of the third, Christopher Morrell with an oppo taco to right center. Cubs are up one nothing. The guy hit a home run the day after hanging out with us at Club 400. Top of the six, Bryson Stott walks. Schwarber strikes out swinging. Reese Hopkins strikes out swinging. Bryce Harper doubles. Stott scores, and the game's tied at one. Bottom of the seventh, Ian Happ with the leadoff single. Horner lines out. Wisdom grinds out, grounds out, but Happ goes to second. And then Jan Gomes with a clutch two-out double to right. Happ scores, and the Cubs take a 2-1 lead, and that'll be your final. Stroman, seven innings pitch, four hits, one run, one walk, six Ks. Uh, Hughes with the hold and man, Manny Rodriguez with the save. The offense only had two runs on seven hits, three left on base, one for three with runners in scoring position. Happ and Gomes were both two for three, and Morrell was one for three with the home run. On the flip side, Wheeler went six innings pitch, five hits, one run, one walk, five Ks. The offense only had one run on five hits, uh, four left on base, 0 for 1 with runners in scoring position. But take a look at Marcus Stroman's last two home starts. Remember, he was struggling to get that first home victory. 14 innings pitch, 11 Ks, two earned runs, 
1.29 ERA. Awfully impressive. Uh, and I, I was I was there. I was in line. I wasn't at the game. I was there in line as one of the people trying to figure out exact what exactly what Marcus Stroman is. I'm still not sure that he's a number two, but I think he's a number three in a possibly really good uh, rotation, Crowley. Also, I got to hand it, like, Jan Gomes has had an unbelievable second half. I mean, I, I don't even, I, I don't know what all the stats are exactly. I'm just talking about, like, when I feel like, when I'm watching the games on the Marquee Sports Network and I'm listening to the games on 670 to score, it always seems like Jan Gomes is doing something in big situations. Seems to get a lot of clutch, big hits, and, and, and he does a great job with the pitching staff, which has just an amazing ERA since the All-Star break. And, uh, yeah, absolutely great pickup. Absolutely a great pickup. All right, so the Cubs have won game one. They jump out on top of the Phillies. One game to none. That takes us into Wednesday when Hayden Wesneski, or West Nasty was facing off against Aaron Nola. And there was a rumor, Crowley, that you were in the bleachers for this one. I was in the bleachers. I got I, I got to watch Hayden, and it's just so funny. He's just, like I said, he's just a very upbeat, high-energy kid. Uh, and Aaron Nola, the Cubs struggle against him a lot. Top of the third one out, Kyle Schwarber hit by a pitch. Uh, Reese Hoskins singles, so Schwarber gets to second. Then Kyle Schwarber steals third. People forget he has wheels. Bryce Harper hits a sack fly, and the Phillies are up one nothing. Bottom of the fifth, at this point, Nola had only given up a first-inning single to uh, Kairos, but Nico singles, he steals second. Patrick Wisdom singles. He got Cubs at the corner. Gomes, unfortunately, grounds into a force out. Wisdom's out at second. Nico scores. So the game is tied at one. Alfonso Rivas hit by a pitch, and then Christopher Morel does it again, a three-run homer this time. Two homers in a row for Christopher Morel, and the Cubs take a four to one lead. Absolutely Boom goes amazing. The dynamite, Crowley. Boom goes the dynamite. How was the atmosphere when that happened? And the place erupted. It actually, I was, I was in left center ish. And all of a sudden I was just kind of like, it wasn't as crowded as you would expect. And you know, it's a little cold, cooler night last night game, all that stuff. But I'm like running down to try to see like, if it's going to make it, it was close, but it hit like the board and then went into the basket. So it wasn't a basket homer, but it was, it was awesome. And the place was going nuts. Uh, Philly's had a run on my couch by myself. Yeah. I loved it. It was great. He's just when, when, when he's, when he's doing well, even when he's not doing well, Christopher Morel's a fun kid to watch, but when he's doing well, it just makes it all the, all the more fun. The Phillies had a run in the seventh, but that's it. The Cubs win four to two. Uh, Wesneski did okay. Five innings pitch, six hits. He was kind of in and out of uh, trouble a little bit here, but he never really gave up the big hit. Uh, one run, two walks, three Ks. Hughes with the hold and Manny Rodriguez with the save again. So you're starting to see maybe some guys develop into roles here. Offense had four runs on six hits, four left on base, two for four with runners in scoring position. Kairos was two for four. Morel one for three with three RBIs on that homer. For the Phillies, Nola had six innings pitch. Again, only one until he got it, only uh, one hit until he got into that fifth inning. He ended up with five hits total, four runs, eight Ks. The offense had two runs on 11 hits, 12 men left on base, two for 16 with runners in scoring position. Hoskins, three for four. Castellanos, three for four. And you're just looking at this, Dustin, and you see the pressure. Same thing we talked about with the Mets. The Phillies are. I, I didn't even check up the most recent update. They may be behind Milwaukee at this point. So, you know, it, it is – you see, when 
I remember, God, it was 20, uh, 2018 when the Cubs were leading the division with a couple weeks left, and all of a sudden Milwaukee went on a tear, and the Cubs were just kind of sliding, and they couldn't score any runs. Same thing. And you just, with every pitch, it's magnified. And every time you don't get a runner in scoring position, it builds and builds and builds. And you just saw it with the Phillies this series. Yeah, they are playing awfully, awfully tight. They're getting hits, but no timely hitting. Pitching's been pretty decent overall for them, but absolutely not one clutch hit. Not one. Nope. And so that takes us to game three, Javier Assad versus Rangers Suarez. Bottom of the first, Contreras doubles. Suzuki is back. He singles. Contreras to third. Half reaches on a fielder's choice out. Wilson thrown out at home, one of those contact plays. But Wisdom doubles. Suzuki scores half to third Cubs are up one, nothing. Um, it's just one of those things that was frustrated because Horner reached on a fielder's choice next, but Suarez gets half out at home. And then Framiel Reyes was robbed of, uh, what looked like extra bases with a shot in right field, but they, they made it like it should have been, it felt like it should have been all three, nothing after one Crawley. That's what, that's what had me scared. That's what had me scared as we went through this game. You had two guys thrown out at the plate in the inning, and you had one guy who got robbed of extra base hits. Like you said, that should have been a crooked number. Ranger Suarez, though, he induces a lot of ground balls, and similar to uh, similar to Marcus Stroman, induces a lot of ground balls and is a very good – he fields his position very well, and you saw that, and unfortunately no good. Bottom of the fifth, two outs. Seiya Suzuki hits one, and the center fielder loses it in the sun, and Seiya is hustling right out of the box – he ends up on third. That's how you do it. To all you youngsters out there, out there, <laughs> you're paying attention. When you're at Wrigley Field, you never know what's going to happen. You should just in general run out every ball hard. But especially at Wrigley Field where the conditions, you never know what you're going to get. And it didn't matter because Ian Happ had a clutch single after that and say scores, Cubs lead 2-0. So, I mean, he would have scored probably on that single anyway. But just saying that, that 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 getting those extra 90 feet make a difference. Oh, huge difference. Listen, go talk to a White Sox fan or a White Sox broadcaster. I mean, the absolute one of the arm-length list of problems that the 2022 White Sox had is the fact that they don't hustle. They don't hustle. And the Cubs right. hustle. Right, and you're, you're talking about one of your top-paid free agents, right? He's out there running his tail off. And so the Cubs win 2 nothing. Assad, five innings pitch, five hits, zero runs, two walks, three Ks. Thompson, three innings pitched, one hit, two walks, three Ks. So you saw uh, Michael Rucker had a really nice inning, too, in between those two guys. But we're talking about the, this bridge, this piggyback-type situation. You, again, we've talked about it on this podcast. Be prepared to see it in the future. But it worked out really well. The offense had two runs on seven hits, 11 left on base, three for 14 with runners in scoring position, but Suzuki and Wisdom both two for three. For the Phillies, Ranger Suarez, six innings pitched, seven hits, two runs, one walk, five Ks. He's the unlucky loser because the offense didn't support him. Zero runs on six hits, nine left on base, 0 for 5 with runners in scoring position. That was the 11th shutout of the season for the Cubs. The rotation has a 304 ERA in the All-Star break, ranking third in MLB in that span. That comes from Jordan Bastion. And then get this one, Dustin. Megan Montemuro tweeted out that the Cubs finished 21-10 and 10 against the NL East. The How about best, that? The, How about that? Yeah. 21-10, and 10, Crowley. That, yeah. The that, height, caught my, that caught my attention as well. 
Their highest winning percentage against the NL East in franchise history. And that's a good division. You know, when you take a look at the, at the Atlanta, the Phillies, the Mets, you know, and the Cubs three never play teams, well in Three Florida. of those teams potentially are going to make the postseason. Potentially. Right. So, you know what, man? Just good to see. Good to see. And that was, they took all six games from the fighting Phils who didn't put up much of a fight. Yeah, I, that that's unusual too because usually the Phillies usually take care of the Cubs. I mean... I don't think that if, they, if you look at their all-time records, I think the Phillies have gotten the best of the Cubs more times than not. All right, so Crowley, I had predicted one out of three. You were two out of three, and there, there the Cubs go, right? They took out the brooms. They swept the Phillies. I wonder what kind of odds we could have gotten on that on Tuesday night, okay, that they were going to actually that they were actually going to sweep them. So a little news to go over. Um, a little early in the week, Wilson Contreras spoke to the beat writers ahead of him coming off the eye. L. And then today, there was a 30-minute pregame interview with Jason Hayward. You saw a lot of both of these interviews, Crowley. Yeah, well, Wilson, Wilson Contreras was more just talking to the beat writers. It wasn't as long as Jay Hayes, but, you know, he was asked, what matters no, most? No, no, it wasn't 30 minutes, no. Right. Yeah. What matters most, security or winning, right? So when we talked about Chris Bryant, one of his big deals, especially with Colorado, was he wanted to be somewhere where he wasn't going anywhere. Seven years, no trade. You know, that's the security that some players want or winning. What matters most? And Wilson said, and I thought this was kind of a pointed comment here. He wants to go where he feels wanted for what he brings on and off the field. He said he'd consider a qualifying offer, which he may have to. But in this situation, he is not feeling the love. He's not feeling wanted. And obviously he has good reason to feel that way. I don't know if it's the fact that you and I have known each other for quite a while and have done this podcast now for this entire season. That is exactly the comment from all the comments that he made the other day. That was exactly the comment that I brought up on the Mully and Haw show. That is what stuck out to me the most. He wants to go somewhere where he feels wanted, where he feels respected about what he does on and off the field, what he means to the organization. And I really hope the Cubs let him know. I think maybe the market should have told him what exactly he is worth financially, okay? And then the Cubs should take that number and then add maybe a million dollars to it because of what he has meant to the organization over the course of time. Yeah, you know, it's going to be interesting to see. We'll see what happens. You know, as far as catching is concerned, the Cubs kind of took a lump with uh, Miguel Amaya hurting his ankle. You know, it just he seems to have a lot of bad luck with injuries. Um, but you also saw, you know, some production out of um, we talked about Jan Gomes and PJ Higgins looked like a suitable backup. So there, there's a lot of questions about what's going to happen in the offseason. And, uh, you know, it, you know, you never know how it plays out, but it, it's, it, you know, the Cubs are obviously going to give the qualifying offer because if he turns it down, they get a draft pick. So they're not going to not offer him anything. They're going to make the qualifying offer. It's just a question of will he take it or not. And then at that point, are we doing trade watch 2022 all over again next season? Any guess, Crowley, what kind of an offer do you think that would be? Well, he wants JT real mutual money. And I just don't think he's, it's, it's, I just don't think it's out there. Um, we'll, you know, boy, it's going to be tough to say. I mean, let's go four years, maybe at uh, 60 million, maybe. Okay. All right. That's kind of what I'm thinking. Very, but we'll, very we'll interesting. Now, I also, I'll say, I'll admit and I'll say that I have been one of those that have 
given Jason Hayward a hard time in the in the media um, on on six seventy to score. Not as hard as some, but just as much as anybody else. Um, you know, you are taking this from a different perspective. You've met the guy. You've been around the guy. Um, there's no doubt how important he was the year the Cubs won the World Series. But what was your overall take on what you heard today from Jason Hayward, Crowley? I would say that when you take a look at a guy like Jason Hayward, you know, sometimes we forget that these ball players are human beings. Um, and what he did out there, let's let's put a couple of things out there. Number one, kudos for Marquis for carrying it. That's why you have your own network. So absolutely exactly. bravo on that. Exactly. Yep, Let's kick another kudos to Jay Hay because he didn't have to do that. He didn't have to go in front of the media. He could have just gone to his locker. He made himself available to talk to the reporters to answer questions. And they weren't all easy questions. They all they weren't nice questions, some of them, you know. Some of them were difficult questions to answer. But I think he did what he always did, which was he was poised, he was articulate. Uh, I, I, I tweeted after it that I, I, I laughed, I cried, I thought about things. I mean, like it was just a really emotional interview. And, you know, it, it's just tough because, you know, we're down to the final two of the 2016 team with Wilson Contreras and now Kyle Hendricks. And we don't know if Wilson's back next year. So, you know, it's it's just another piece that's gone. But Jay Hay, I mean, it was a massive contract. And, and he was asked about the contract and, and he said, no, it didn't, you know, you know, it, it put more, obviously more spotlight on him, but it didn't impact how he perform, how he, had, he came to work every day and try to improve his craft. Um, but that is hard. I mean, you know, when you can't, you can't be the highest paid player by a big chunk and, and, and struggle as much as he did. Now he did, you know, bring up the fact that uh, if he has the opportunity to play baseball, he will, if there's a good fit, He's not going to just be like kind of some like he's not going to take a minor league deal, right? He he wants to be on a team that respects him, that wants him to kind of be like a final winning type of piece, um, but he's just not going to take any offer that's thrown his way. Uh, he was appreciative of Jed's honesty, you know, kind of coming up to him and and just being like, "Hey, this is what we're doing, this is where we're going, and this is why we're doing it." And and you and I both know, Dustin. Sometimes it's really good when when when, you know, your employer's just honest with you, just be honest. Let's kind of, let's, let's where we stand. And, and, and that's a good thing. Um, he talked about the speech and I thought that that was really interesting the way that he kind of talked about it. Um, and he brought it up a couple of times about his, you know, his, the way that he led the team as far as talking about, you know, do be you, be yourself as a player, kind always fight, you know, your gladiators is, is the con contest he went there. And he was asked, why did he do it at that moment with that speech? And he said that the whole year, the team was just always, always confident. He said, you know, you got a bunch of talkers, Dexter Fowler, you got Anthony Rizzo, you know, you just got this great team. And he said, after that, you know, obviously Rollis Chapman, you remember was crying. And he said, the team was stunned and rightfully so. And I wanted to remind them who they were and what they do and how we do it and keep doing it for the rest of the year. And he believes it did have an effect uh, on the team. And I don't doubt that any, any way, shape or form. Um, he, he was thinking about getting into, they, he was asked if he would, what, what he wants to look at for the next part of his career, whether that's going to be a, as a manager or a GM or something along that line. And I thought his answer was interesting. He was thinking about getting into some sort of minority ownership situation where he has obviously, obviously the Ricketts are the, majority owners, but there's also <laughs> other um, minority owners that have a small stake in it. 
and he says he wants to bridge the, the the he wants to build a bridge between the office and the clubhouse. And I couldn't think of a better role for anyone like for for Jay Hay like that. Uh, he also talked about Ross's leadership, though. And, you know, it's just really funny just telling stories about when he was a rookie and David Ross, you know, sometimes putting the arm around him, sometimes giving him a scolding, but teaching him how to be a major leaguer. And, and he talked about how David Ross respects the game and how he expects other people to respect the game. And so it was just funny, you know, where, where Jason, you know, David Ross is talking about, you know, he's sitting next to Jason here where he says, Rook, those, those, those flip-flops don't go in my, don't go near my locker, you know, just kind of, you know, just all the stuff you kind of see in the movies and you hear about it. it. But, you know, it was just a wonderful speech. He talked about how much he loves Chicago. His wife is from Chicago. His, uh, his son was born in Chicago. And so he plans on keeping a house in Chicago. Um, they're building a sports complex. Um, I want to say it's in the Southwest side. And so he's had a huge role in that. And think about that. He doesn't have to do that. He didn't have to do nope. that. And he didn't have to do it in Chicago. He could have gone back home to Georgia, but where he's from, but he did it here. And so that just says a lot about the man and the human being. And, you know, there are, you know, I, I think about him and, and, and I think about Ben Zobrist as two guys, how much I would love for, I guess I could probably say that about most of the 2016 John, John Lester, you know, how I'd just love these guys to kind of have some of these roles, you know, some of these guys just have gotten out of baseball, but you know, how, how is Ben Zobris, not, you know, how could you incorporate him into the organization? Jason Hayward, you know, John Lester, these are all great guys that you want to keep in the organization. And I think the main thing that Jason Hayward talked about is, you know, he was asked, uh, what was the question? I think it was Gordon's question, right? And uh, yep. he, he talked, what was the question? How was it worded? I'm trying to remember. But uh, mainly talking about the fact that he, you know, maybe he had some tough times here in Chicago, but he never stopped running the bases hard, playing good defense. Obviously, the bat wasn't there, but he said he had his hand in a lot of winning and on a lot of winning teams. And he did, you know, he was with St. Louis. He was with Atlanta. He was with the Cubs when they were their most successful. And so, you know, what does that say about Jason Hayward? Yeah, you know, I mean, overall, I think he's an overall He's a really good guy. The hardest part is it's hard for it's hard for people, it's hard for the media, it's hard for the fans, Crowley, to get over the the huge contract. It just is. It's very hard. It's just very hard to get that out of your mind. And it's and and, and there's a frustration sometimes that boils over because you know I, I I can't tell you how many times I thought about if Jason Hayward just hit 265 with you know 20 home runs and maybe 60 RBIs, would we have another World Series title right now? You know, right. Very, very, very possible. Very possible. I I wasn't asking for the guy to be a triple crown winner. I'm not asking him to, you know, do this or that. Just, Hey man, how about you, 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 you do a little something and, you know, just, I don't know. It it is frustrating. But again, at the same time, he was a a leader in that clubhouse. He was a leader in the organization and a leader in the community. And, and those care, those characteristics don't come around that often. Nope, nope. Good guy off the field. That has to be um, accounted for. If we want to give guys crap, Crowley, because of what uh, you know, dopes they are when they do stuff off the field, I think we have to also be fair and balanced enough to point out when guys do unbelievable things in the community, even when they're not looking for an attaboy or a pat on the back. Also, I see here as we were getting ready for the show, you mentioned a tweet by Ferguson Jenkins. Yeah. So Fergie, you know, Fergie's kind of old school, but you know, we talked about this with our friends from uh, garlic fries and baseball guys about the 
Aaron Judge. Everybody was paying attention to it. And my buddy next to me in the bleachers had an alert every time he came up. So we watched um, the at-bats that he was having. And nice. he got to six. He got to 61 last night, obviously. But Bernie the Jenkins made eh, some interesting comments, I would say, about the – he said, congratulations, and he tweeted the Judge 44. Many, including myself, consider your next home run to be the all-time single-season record Go get him, implying that Fergie doesn't recognize the records of Sammy Sosa, Barry Bonds, and uh, the account and uh, Mark McGuire. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I see, I see both sides of it. Um, uh, I thought it was great. I, I just, can you imagine being a, an adult? You took your mitt to a game, and that ball bounced off your glove and went into the uh, bullpen of the Blue Jays. And did you see Unreal. the tweet? Did you see the tweet from the Blue Jays? So the Blue Jays bullpen coach is a former big leaguer. I, I forget what his name is off the top of my head. But he's married to um, a woman that is a sideline reporter for the NFL. I believe the NFL Network. And they have a home in Tampa. So Tampa's getting pounded, right? Tampa's getting pounded by the uh, hurricane yesterday. And she sees that uh, the husband is giving away a ball that could be worth it couple hundred thousand dollars potentially and she's like i'm down here making sure we still have a house and you're handing a three hundred thousand dollar ball back to the yankees i'm officially divorcing you she was kidding of course <laughs> but it was it was very funny how it all played out um, yeah and, on and, social and, and media here's what i'm gonna tell you dustin i i would say that that ball is worth probably a couple million um a couple million anytime, really? the 61st i would think the 62nd probably the 62nd 60, but even this I think the here, here's what i'm gonna tell you more. Here's what I'm going to tell you why, though, is the fact that whenever you talk about uh, memorabilia and you talk about New York, obviously, just the dollar amounts, especially the Yankees, totally they just right? go yep. up. So that's yeah, kind of what my point. thinking. Very, very good point. All right, obviously there were some roster moves. We talked about some of the guys who had big impacts on the series against the Phillies. So Saya and Wilson Contreras are both back. Um, Jared Young back to Iowa. They DFA'd one of the guys that I love how you say his name. So I'm going to let you go ahead and say his name. Who did they DFA, Crowley? Michael Hermosillo. Very good. Almost as good as Pat Hughes rolling that H. And then uh, everybody's favorite ex-White Sox, now Cub, Nick Madrigal, shut down for the year. Yeah, he's had those groin issues and and, and, and this and that. I, I have a funny story, a Michael Hermosillo story, right? Is uh, It's spring training, right? And, you know, he, you know, Hermosillo just looks cool. He's got the glasses. He's got the, like the dreadlocks. I mean, just, just looks cool, you know? And so if you go to Arizona, you go to spring training, the Cubs complex is to the left and the stadium's to the right. And there's this pathway. And usually the big, big players, some of them do like back in the day when like Chris Bryant and Rizzo were big, they would take like a golf cart and kind of make a roundabout way. But like for kind of like, especially the minor league players or maybe like the, the role player type of guys, they come down and they sign autographs and they take pictures. Well, it was spring training in the club 400. We have a tent there and we have plenty of ice cold club 400 beers. And I had had a few and I saw, and a lot of times, you know, my mom is Ecuadorian. And so I speak Spanish and I see Michael Hermosillo, right. And I see all, whenever I would see the Latino players, I would, you know, start talking to them in Spanish and they get all excited, you know, to be able to kind of communicate. I saw Hermosillo. I mean, I mean, that's a little, that's a great Spanish name. And so, you know, right. Miguel, como estas? Cosa que está pasando? He goes, bro, I don't speak Spanish. <laughs> 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 so, that so needless is classic. To, 
Bro, needless to I say, don't I, speak Spanish. <laughs> Love it. Love so it. that was my Hermosillo story. But uh, sadly, a little minor league uh, update. We were watching the Tennessee Smokies. They got out to a one nothing series lead against the Pensacola Blue Wahoos. And they had two of the next games. They had to win one of the next two at home in Kodak, Tennessee at Smoky Stadium. Didn't happen. Uh, in game two, Riley Thompson went five innings pitch, had eight Ks, looked good. They had a one nothing lead on a Jonathan Peralta double. But the sixth inning was a disaster. Pensacola scored seven runs, all of them Dustin with two outs. It took four pitchers to get out of the inning, and that was the final, seven to one. Unreal. Tough way to lose. And then, Tough way to lose. And then game three, the winner take all. Tennessee lost 11-4. to four. Uh, Ben Brown, uh, who we got in the David Robertson trade with the Phillies, actually, he looked really good. But the bullpen had two innings where they gave up four runs each and the de- defense committed three errors, and that's just not going to cut it. And so great season for the Tennessee Smokies. We'll have Mick Gillespie on uh, to talk about the season, um, just like we had the guys from uh, Myrtle Beach and from uh, South Bend. But uh, we appreciate everything that the Smokies did and the guys coming on, like Max Bain and others, and and for Mick for coming on the podcast. You know, it wasn't the ultimate championship, but, hey, one heck of a season. One heck of a season for sure. You're listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. This is season one, episode 37. We're calling this one the spoilers because the Cubs just completed a three-game sweep of the Philadelphia Phillies who are trying desperately to get themselves into the playoffs, trying to cling to that third and final playoff spot. Well, we've been sitting on a big story here at Fly the W, specifically Crowley, and that is right. CubsCon is back. If you're listening, you're probably a diehard like us and you knew it was coming back. We've got a bunch of details. We've got a bunch of what is going to happen, what's not going to happen, the who, what, when, why, and where, if you will. And we are pleased to bring you Jennifer Martindale, the new Senior VP of Marketing for our Chicago Cubs. Joining me now on the Fly the W podcast, we have Senior Vice President of Marketing for your Chicago Cubs, Jennifer Martindale. How are you, Jen? I'm good. I'm happy to be here. It's a beautiful day here in Wrigleyville. Hoping we're going to see some great Cubs baseball this afternoon. Absolutely. Tell us a little bit about how you came to the Chicago Cubs organization. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I actually lived in Chicago for a very long time, 15 years um, after I graduated from college. Um, and so the Cubs have always been really near and dear to me. But most recently, I was living in New Orleans and I was serving as the vice president of brand strategy for the New Orleans Saints and the New Orleans Pelicans in um, New Orleans. Both professional teams happen to be uh, owned by the same family. So I had the privilege of um, working in two leagues at the same time. And um, after doing that work for a few seasons, I got a call from the Cubs asking if I might be willing to speak to them. And when the Cubs call, you pick up the phone. So I was delighted. And we're absolutely delighted to have you here back in Chicago. The big announcement was yesterday. The Cubs announced that the Cubs convention, the oldest sports fan convention, is returning for 2023. Tell me, when and where will the Cubs convention be held? Yes, we are so excited to announce that it's back. It's going to begin on Friday, January 13th, and it'll run through Sunday, January 15th. It will be at the Sheridan in Chicago, which is its longtime home. And the intention had always been to bring um, convention back as soon as 
uh, pandemic related health and safety conditions allowed us to, and we're excited to be doing it. Now, in the past, Cub Convention utilized both the Sheridan and the Lowe's Hotel. The Lowe's Hotel was dedicated more to season ticket holders. Is that something that you think is going to be incorporated again this year? Well, we're in the midst of planning the programming right now, so I'm not in a place where I can talk about the details, but I can tell you that fans um, should expect some of their most beloved moments to return, such as the opening ceremony and famous Cubs bingo. But I think we can also step up our game. Um, being away from the convention for a few years actually gave us some much needed perspective on what makes conventions special and why our fans come. And so we'll really respect tradition, but look for ways to keep things fresh and give the fans more of what they want. Yeah, I want Wayne Mesmer to call my bingo numbers, that's for sure. Me too. I'll see what I can do. <laughs> now, as far as it goes, you said that there's going to be a new way to look at things. It's, it, it's having that break does kind of give you a perspective what yeah. worked, what's stale, and and what's you know what you can do to make it more interesting. And now we have Marquee Network, which wasn't on air when the last time we had a Cubs convention. How much are you going to be using Marquee's uh, talent, such as Boog, Cole Wright, Beth Mowens, JD, uh, to help in, in this convention? Yes, we've already started conversations with Marquee Network and brainstorming ways that we can use their amazing roster of talent. You'll certainly see all of them there. And also just extending the reach of convention outside of the doors of the Sheridan. I mean, um, having Marquee Sports Network available to us as an asset to get that content out to um, Cubs fans who can't make it to the convention for one reason or another is something we're going to be working hard on this year. That, that is absolutely, that's the great thing about having your own network. I watched the Jason Hayward uh, press conference today, this idea of CubsCon. That's why I love Marquee. It's literally on 75% of the time in my house. Now, the other fun thing is that since we last had a Cubs convention, the farm system, you had three of the four affiliates go into the postseason. South Bend wins the championship. And even Iowa had just great players like uh, Canario and Matt Mervis and Brennan Davis. It's got to mm -hmm. be exciting to have those young players coming to Chicago for their first convention. Absolutely. We've already started speaking to the players throughout the system to let them know that convention is coming back. And the younger players, you know, some of them may have heard of Cubs convention. Um, others, this is something completely new to them. But when they realize it's the oldest, the biggest, the most special, you know, fan convention that's out there, they're excited to become a part of it. And, you know, we've been looking a lot to our friends at Marquee Sports Network who have been doing great work on their Road to Wrigley series and thinking about how we can kind of take that concept and bring it to life for our fans so that they can get to know some of these exciting players that we're developing. Yes. And, and, and one other thing, there are some fans wondering, one of the, one of the big events that kind of used to happen and then kind of didn't was the uh, Ricketts Family Forum. Is there mm -hmm. any chance of that possibly coming back? I would say we have heard from our fans. We know they love to hear from ownership. So um, stay tuned. Duly noted. And just a final note is, you know, special for your listeners. We do expect to put tickets and hotel room packages on sale sometime in October. So if you don't already receive emails from the Cubs, please go to our website and sign up so that we can keep you informed. Um, and of course, our season ticket holders will be informed by their reps as well. But we can't wait to bring it back. Sounds absolutely amazing. And, and like I said, just the Cubs with their roster of talent, both on air and on the field, I think that CubsCon is going to be a big hit. Another thing that's going to be exciting is that you guys are having a screening tonight of a league of their own, the 30th anniversary of the movie. I can't believe that 
old now, but uh, that's today at Gallagher Way. It is. And um, just before I spoke to you, I was actually um, at a private reception where I got to meet some of the women who were involved in the filming of that movie, as well as involved in the uh, All-American Girls Professional Baseball League. And let me tell you, it was an incredible moment to spend time with them. I think um, given uh, the real life connection to the Cubs organization through the Rockford Peaches, given that this is the 50th anniversary of Title IX, it's a really special time to be shining a light on these women who are part of the film, but also a part of the actual baseball league and to really show people what trailblazers they were. So you're going to see me out in Gallagher way tonight, watching that movie for sure. And there's going to be uh, all sorts of events before the game, during the game and after the game. Is that correct? It's correct. We're going to be um, doing some Q and A's with the folks associated with the film. We're going to be honoring a member of the um, All-American Girls Professional Baseball League during the game and letting our fans get a better sense of her story and that history as well. That, yeah, like you said, a lot of people don't realize that, that is the movie is based on the Cubs on Wrigley Field and uh, the, the character of Mr. Henry is Mr. Wrigley. So right. there is so much tradition that's brought in there. Now, as somebody that loves giveaways, I see that you guys are having some promotions for that at Wrigley Field. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're going to have some really cool Rockford Peaches hats available to fans. Um, in fact, I saw some of the women from the film wearing the hats earlier today. I think those are going to be a really special keepsake. Yeah, the first 800 early arriving fans will get the hat. And then you guys have a pin that's being given away at Wrigley Field for the first 10,000 early arriving fans. So absolutely just a, a lot of interesting things going on at Gallagher Way. And I would definitely recommend that me being a fan, any fan of the movie, head down. Even if you don't have a ticket to today's game, you can go to the screening and, mm -hmm. and, and really kind of take a look at all the people that were involved in making the movie. And the fact that you guys have a player from the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League, uh, Maybelle Blair, I think yeah. that's absolutely amazing. Oh, and let me tell you, Maybelle Blair is a firecracker. She is a great storyteller. She's a wonderful ambassador for the sport of baseball. Um, and so I encourage anyone who has the opportunity to hear her talk, please come. Well, Jen, I appreciate your time and I'm looking forward to meeting you in person at Cubs convention. I can't believe I get to say that again. I'm getting giddy. Um, but we, we absolutely are happy to have you in Chicago. Happy to, happy to have you with the Cubs and happy that you're bringing us this awesome news about the Cubs convention and a league of their own screening. Thank you so much. You're listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. This is season one, episode 37. This one is called The Spoilers after the Cubs sweep the Phillies right out of Wrigley. And now they bring in the Cincinnati Reds. The Reds are 60 and 96, Crowley. Oh my gosh. Maybe by the time this is over, the Reds will be right on the doorstep of loss number 100. Well, and it's going to be the Cubs that do it because you got three at home and then three in Cincy to finish out the season. So that's right. Four, fourth place in the NL Central, three and seven in their last tens. They're on a three-game losing streak. The Cubs are seventy and eighty-six, third in the NL Central, eight and two in their last ten on a four-game winning streak. And you know, Dustin, this one's always hard for me—the last homestand uh, to say goodbye because you know the employees at Wrigley Field are so awesome. I, I love going to the park. I love going to games and I'll be, you're going to be there tomorrow. I'm going to be there Saturday and Sunday, but just walking away one last time. It's, it just, 
it always it's it's a gut punch, man, because you know, I know Dustin, you're you're big sports, you know, you love you know, you'll you'll have the bulls and you'll have the bears and you'll have so much on your plate, man. For me, it's just kind of like that's it. My sport, you know, I'll, I'll I'll watch some Arizona Fall League. I'll try to pay attention to that, but it's heartbreaking that that final goodbye to all your friends that that you see at the park on a constant basis. Your beer vendors, your season ticket reps, all these guys that make the game yep. day experience so awesome. And well, so- you live at Crowley. You are you are you are a huge Cub fan, and you're a big part of what happens at Wrigley Field, out in the stands and out in the streets around and about the stadium. So, yep, the Reds are coming to town, and this is probably a good way for the Cubs to wrap things up and kind of go out on a high note, if you will. This is a team they should be able to take care of, especially since uh, a couple of the better batters in the lineup have returned in Wilson Contreras and Seiya Suzuki. And Patrick Wisdom looking better. So game one, all day games as God intended, as Bernie Banks would say. Game one, 120. Adrian Sampson, the Giants slayer, three and five with a 3.23 ERA versus Graham Ashcroft, five and four with a 4.18 ERA. So you know you're looking at this here, and Sampson, uh, he's, he's he, you know, uh, Kyle Farmer does well against him. Jonathan India does pretty good, but you know, not too much there. And then against Ashcroft, the Cubs, you know, haven't seen him too often as well. So. Small sample size, but we've talked about Adrian Sampson. He's kind of been a guy that we've just been pulling for all season and just the way that he plays the game and, and he's just kind of – he just takes the ball and he has that killer mentality and, and and you keep waiting for the other shoe to drop and it doesn't, you know. The last time out against Pittsburgh, six innings, four hits, one run. Before that, Miami, six innings, eight hits, one run. Time before that, six innings, two hits, zero runs. I mean, the guy is just absolutely – He's been a very bright spot in the season that was just very unexpected. Right. I mean, nobody expected. Nobody saw this coming. Nobody expected him to get this kind of seasoning that he has got. This has been an unbelievable, uh, if you will, a a very well-paid, well-done internship, if you will. Right? This came out of nowhere. Right. And so, you know, he's been exciting to watch. And, And Graham Ashcroft... I mean, obviously, we're going to see some pitchers that aren't the greatest. Four, last start against Milwaukee, he got pounded. Four innings pitch, eight hits, four earned runs. Pittsburgh, he went six and two, gave up nine hits, three runs. And the last time out, he was at the Cubs in August. Uh, he went six innings. He gave up six hits, three runs, three walks, and four Ks. So, you know, with the way the Cubs pitching has been going lately, I mean, that might, you know, that, that, would, that would definitely look like it would win it, you know? Absolutely. Feel pretty comfortable with game one. So game two, Crowley, we got the dreaded, dreaded TBD. You got a uh, you got a guess, best guess on this one? What do you think? Or is this kind of an opener type of thing? What do you think is going on here? Well, I think they're 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 kind of waiting to see how a couple guys are going to be feeling um, when you talk about Wade Miley and when you talk about Drew Smiley. So you want to get Smiley, <laughs> the Miley Maybe we Smiley, can have a Smiley Wiley game. <laughs> yeah, you know, and and so we're we're just sitting there, and I think they want to give each of those guys at least you know uh, one more start. Um, so that's my guess is that they're kind of just waiting to see how the health on some of these guys look and, 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 and what happens. And then that way they're going to kind of make a start. Uh, they'll make a decision on the starters and then go from there. So hopefully, you know, hopefully everyone's doing well. And, and especially you want to, you know, you, you want Drew Smiley's the one that has the option to potentially come back to Chicago and, and then right. the Cubs have an option as well. So they both mutual option, both have to agree to it. So, uh, he's, he, he may be an important part of next year. So, you know, let's see what happens. Now the Reds are countering with Nick Lodolo 
Nick Lodolo last three times out. He's, you know, kind of thrown a, not a lot of in, you know, six innings pitched, one earned run against Milwaukee. So good start there against Boston. Five innings pitched, three hits, three earned runs. And against Pittsburgh, he had, uh, he went 6.1 innings, gave up six hits, three runs. So, you know, somebody that the Cubs, we'll see. The offense, you know, it's, it's looking okay still, but still not exactly where you kind of want it to be. It's, it's obviously the pitching has kind of really, um, been the story here in the offense, not as much. Uh, the Cubs just, you know, only have one game's experience against him. So, you know, not not much data to go on on that one. Yeah, so we're kind of going in blind when we uh, pick this uh, three-game series in a few minutes. And then Crowley, the wrap-up on Sunday, Marcus Stroman, who we talked about earlier in the podcast, having a couple of really nice back-to-back starts at Wrigley Field, gets a chance for a third start a third opportunity to really finish this thing out strong and I think that's exactly what he wants to do he's really been talking the talk and walking the walk as of late yep last three starts against Philly seven innings pitch he gave up one run against Miami six innings pitched three runs against Colorado seven inning pitched one run so the guy has had a lot of good starts lately he's he's had a couple wins at Wrigley which was kind of like this you know everyone always asking him about it now he doesn't have to worry about that uh too much so Stroh obviously wants to finish the season strong, and 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 we we've talked about it before how it was a difficult start of the year. So you know, let's see what happens. Um, you know, Kyle Farmer, not that much. You know, a lot of these guys don't have a lot of at bats other than Austin Romine, the former Cub who hits .091, and uh, you have uh, Cincinnati's uh, counting with Chase Anderson, two and three with a .478 ERA. The only person, let's see, you got three guys that seem to hit him pretty well. Wilson Contreras saw Chase 17 times and hits 588 against him. And then Jan Gomes, nine at bats, 444, and Ian Happ, five at bats, 400. So with Wilson Contreras at 588, at potentially his last start at Wrigley Field as a Cub, that should be um, an interesting game to, to attend. And there's probably going to be plenty of good seats. I'll be there, like I said, Saturday and Sunday. They're going. They're doing a lot of stuff at Wrigley, so it's 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 always fan appreciation weekend. But I think the Cubs are going really out of their way with this one to kind of do a lot of stuff. There's going to be autographs and all sorts of exciting things that are going to be happening. So, um, the the you know the Cubs uh, they do raffles, they do all sorts of things, and then at the end of the season, a lot of times the players at the end will all come and tip their hats. They'll throw a bunch of baseballs into the stands. So it's a lot of fun. So we'll see what happens. Well, and based on that, Crowley, based on the fact that it's fan appreciation, based on the fact that it's the Cincinnati Reds, I will go first this time. And probably for the first time all season in episode number 37, I am calling for a sweep, Crowley. I am calling for a sweep. Get out the brooms. Sweep those damn Reds right out of here. And that will be back-to-back sweeps. And how sweet would that be to have back-to-back sweeps as the Cubs wrap up the regular home portion of the 2022 season. You know, the, 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 let me just say, there's no better fan base than the Cubs fan base, and, and all our listeners know that. Just just the support. You got a team that's out of it. You you know, it was a cold night last night, and you, you have fans that just care, man. They just love this team. They love this park. And, and, and Jay Hay mentioned that in his press conference about the, about the fans and about the love that they bring and the energy that they bring to the ballpark. And so, you know, I truly believe good things are going to happen. I truly believe that there's going to be some big off-season signings that we're going to talk about uh, in future episodes. 
and and I believe that that right now is going you're going to start to see the real beginnings of the turnaround coming up this off season. So what better way to send the fans the fans out with a sweep? I am also going with a three game sweep. Oh, you know what that means, Crowley. <laughs> they get swept. The two of us going. <laughs> the two of us saying that the Cubs are going to sweep. Uh, no, I, I won't believe in that uh, that mojo right this second. So let's uh, let's hope that's not accurate. We will be back with you early next week. We will recap Cubs Reds at Wrigley, and we will preview Cubs Reds out in Cincinnati when we get with you guys next early next week. And if you are around Saturday after the game, the Bleacher Bum Band of Chicago will be playing their Cubs punk tunes over at the Nisei Lounge. And that'll be a lot of fun. And like I said, plenty of good tickets still available for the weekend series for fan appreciation. Don't forget to follow us on the socials. You can find us at Fly the W670 on Twitter and Instagram, Fly the W on Facebook, and email us at flythew670 at gmail.com. Go Cubs. Go Cubs.